So when we look at uh, Act 3, Scene 1, it opens pretty powerfully, right? And so we'll spend the rest of today looking at Scenes 1 and 2. Hopefully you had a chance yesterday to read it. Got a nice report from the sub. Not yesterday, the other day. Um, which is great. Thank you for that. Uh, so go to page 156. And at the bottom, the chorus notes that the ambassadors from French come back and they tell Harry that the king offers him the king, not the Dauphin. Does that make sense? The king offers him his daughter. Ladies, how's that feel? Dad's going to give you a way to kind of keep off war. Yeah, a little bit. Not too shabby. Although, maybe, wait a second, how do you feel with a 25-year-old king who wants to take over your country? Who's willing to do it, huh? Maybe? Oh, no, no takers there? Okay, all right. If your dad doesn't do anything, you still might end up with like 25. Some petty and unprofitable dukedoms. What was that? What did you say? I said, if your dad doesn't do anything, you still might end up with I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, hey. He doesn't like the offer. I think that's the irony of it, right? Like, if you think it through, like, she may end up with him anyways. Maybe she likes him. What's the backstory here? What's going on with it? She's a she's a French princess. Eh? France, not too shabby, right? French. Anyways, he says no. So, and down goes all before them. Still be kind and eke out our performance with your mind. Exit. Act 3, scene 1. Alarm. Enter King Henry and the English army. How would you do that on stage? Scaling ladders. How do you do that on stage, right? So, holy cow. And then, boom. Once more under the breach, dear friends. Once more close the wall up with our English dead. Just like, yeah, hack three. Bring it. Right? Okay, so ready? We can't do this sitting down, but this is awesome hyperbolic imagery language. Everybody up. Grab your book. Everybody up. And he says, In peace, there's nothing so become a man as modest, stillness, and humility. <clears throat> but when the blast of war blows in our ears, alliteration and sound. Imitate the action of the tiger. Ready, go. Give me your best tiger. That was like kitty cat. Give me your best tiger. Tiger. Stiffen the sinews. Ready? Stiffen them. Sinews. Stiffen the sinews. Conjure up the blood. Get the blood pumping. Come on. Go, go. Blood. Right? Disguise fair nature. You're all so cute. Come on, you gotta look what? Yes, come on. With hard favored rage. Give me your rage. That's not rage. You're smiling. Come on. Lend the eye the terrible aspect. So you gotta let your eye bar. Ooh, that was gross. This is like. Dagger eye. This is that eye that mom, mom's like, seriously? Or the teacher, the teacher gives it to you? Oh, oh. One, two, three, find somebody and give them the terrible eye, the evil eye. 
Some of you are smiling while you give the evil eye. I just <laughs> the evil eye makes you laugh. Wait, let your eye pry through the portage of the head like a brass cannon and let the brow overwhelm it. So your eyebrows overwhelming your eye, right? There you go. As fearfully as the gullet rock or hanging jutty as confounded baits swill with the wild and wasteful ocean. Ready? Set the teeth. I love this one. Stretch the nostril wide. Can anybody? Yeah, there we go. Oh, Will, Will. Good, good. Wide nostril. Hold hard the breath. Ready? Bend up every spirit to its full height. Okay, so ready? Let's get this all together. Ready? Got tiger, sinews, blood, rage, eye. T, nostril, spirit. Ready, go. <laughs> on, on, you noblest English. Yeah, you, you got it right there. She's got it. How are we doing? Go Shakespeare, right? That's just all language. I go, come on, right? Let's go. This is a pump-up speech. Now we're talking. There you go. Bring it. Okay. Ready? On, on you. What English? Wait, these are all just people following. Now, what did the king call you? You guys are all noble now. You're the noblest English whose blood is fet from father's war-proof. Fathers like so many who? Alexander the who? The great. Having these parts from morn till even fought. And sheath their swords for lack of argument. Dishonor not your mother's. I seriously, what did he just say in his pump up speech? <laughs> Make mom proud. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> seriously? <laughs> uh, but wait, why is he doing that? What's the biblical connection? Honor, honor your mother and father. So. Make mom proud and make your dad proud. Be copy now to men of Crocer blood. I know that there's people who do crazy stuff. You're not like that, but just like act like that right now. Act like you're crazy, right? And teach them how to war. And then he goes, and you. You. I love that. He like he's pointing to someone. And you, and you, good yeoman. Wait, yeoman back then? Who is that? What's that type of? What was it? Yeah, definitely, but wait, yeoman is... But, but what time period are we? And you, Robin Hood! Like, we're talking about, you're the best archer on planet Earth. You can shoot an arrow a mile with accuracy. No, no, you guys, the yeoman, they had bows with lead tips that they could, they could shoot an arrow almost a mile. No, it's it's insane. It's insane. Like it's just they we're talking Robin Hood is world famous for a reason. And you, good yeoman, whose limbs were made in England. Limbs, limb pun, limb. Come on, ah, it's so good. Show us here the metal of your pasture. Let us swear that you are worth your breeding, which I doubt not. For there is none of you so mean and base that has not noble luster in your eyes. I see you stand like greyhounds in the slips. Come on, give me your best greyhound. You're ready to race. Ready, go. I see you stand like greyhounds in the slips, straining upon the starts. 
Oh, wait, I have my sword up here. Where did my sword go? There it is. There's my sword. I need my sword. Right? Follow your spirit, and upon this charge, cry, God for Harry, England and St. George! When I say cry, God for Harry, England and St. George, what do you do? You yell what? God for Harry, England and St. George! Ready? Follow your spirit and upon this charge cry, God for Harry, England and St. George! And then you repeat, actually. So I, I say it, and then you repeat it. So wait, what's, 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 what's good? Follow your spirit, and upon this charge, cry, God for Harry, England and St. George! God for Harry, England and St. George! Speech. Yeah. How, did, how did Shakespeare do? I wish I had a game today. Woo! Okay. All right. <laughs> Keep him in there. Well, that's uh, that's scene one. It's just some big, massive pump-up speech. How'd it go? That was fun. Okay, hey, real quick. This is what, yeah, we're going to watch it right now, but I want you guys to consider something. Shakespeare's your speechwriter. And you, you could write your own and be like, okay, um, everybody up to the crack in the wall over there, let's, let's go get the French. <laughs> right? Like, right? Do your best. But instead, do you see, ready? Here's the key. Why is he using all of these literary devices? What does it do? It, it, yeah, it gets you in there. It adds to it. You get to imagery of all that facial stuff and the title. I want you to act like a tiger. Like, yeah, there we go. And he's, he's connecting you to Alexander the Great with that. And 
you hear the beat and rhythm of it getting building and building and building to this like <laughs> which it should be follow your spirit and upon this charge cry God for England Harry and St. George <laughs> if we were going to do our rhyming couplet like it was so many years ago all right, we got a rhyming couplet. He compares you to greyhounds. He's calling you nobility, right? So he's calling you out your identity. How are we doing? Do we see the effect of the devices? He's got the alliteration in there. So many good stuff. Um, any that you guys caught in that process that we haven't mentioned yet? What do you guys catch? Yeah. Just that one, just that one. I mean, we kind of nailed it through there, but hopefully you caught some of those and maybe you can add to your little list of them. I'm gonna start handing it off more and more to you guys to, to go for it, like when we get to boys' speech here. Are we ready, shall we? Let's look at um, the next page then, act three, scene two, and then we'll watch both of these scenes, okay? I don't know. How was the speech? Not too shabby, right? Or maybe he's just really good with words and he's trying to get them all to run to their death so he could selfishly have France. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> okay, page 160 and 161. What did you guys notice here? Bardolph, Nim, and Pistol are in the crowd. And every, so you guys got to picture this. Everybody ran off. But who stayed in the room? Like, who were the ones who did not run up there? They're like, go, go, go. <laughs> what are they doing? Uh, well, aren't they charging into, like, the breach in the wall? These guys? Like, no, look what they're doing. He's getting everybody else to run up to the wall one more time. We're We've got to take this. And yep, they're like, go, go, go. And these guys are like, go, yeah, go, go. Everybody go. Right, you guys catching what's going on here? And then actually, they don't do that. They, they not only say, you guys go, what do they start doing? They run the other way. They're like, see ya! They run the opposite direction, right? Any devices that you guys found here, besides verbal irony, because we wouldn't expect soldiers to say this, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there are a lot of, like, couplets. Yeah. Um, so, like, and sword and shield and sword and shield. Good. And, um, It's interesting. Pistol and Boy are all, it says they're kind of singing. So they're like kind of singing a song in the middle of it. It's probably mocking it, right? And you got the alliteration. So as they charge up this way, you've got this like, like, what in the world is this doing here? Oh, nice. Excellent. Definitely irony, right? Definitely irony. Yeah, you had one. Partain. Oh, yeah, look at the ladies first. Yes, in these two pages, right? What's what's something that's super funny? Um, I think I don't. The part where Nim says, "Speak with this woman, your honor runs on bad feet." <laughs> Isn't that great? All right, Nim's funny. Or or then you've got the. Uh, 
would I were in an ale house in London, I'd give all my fame for a pot of ale <laughs> and safety. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> right? So you'd rather be in, a, in a, the ale house, right? Like, I love that. It's hysterical. Like, they're talking about being in a, in a bar somewhere so they could stay safe. Wait, did you guys catch it? Is it safer to be in a drunk bar in England? Uh, oh, is it? Look what Shakespeare's doing there. The irony, the humor of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just because, like, we talked about how, like, honor was so, yeah. like, highly valued, but there's, like, I'd rather just, like, lose all my honor. And yeah. I wish I was somewhere else getting drunk, not in the middle of a big battle following the king into battle, right? Yeah. Irony. Yeah. Well, yeah, God's like, vassals, so the servants. Right, so is he saying, like, who's remembered? Is it the, is it the deed or is it the person who did it? Yeah, right? Like, Look I at, don't know. Well, I think, I think that's the question here. Like, if we run into this, no one's going to remember us. Who cares? I'd rather just be somewhere else getting drunk. See what's going on? Yeah, at the same time, is it, is it worthy to die in battle for the king? Right? Following, like, especially when it's with, for God. If you're doing it for God, is that worth it? Even if nobody remembers you? Like, see the tension there? That's what these guys are struggling with, right? They just, if you're serving God, you're just going to die in battle, whatever. Right? No? Yes? Like, maybe, will we get any fame for this? Probably not. Although, ironically, what are we studying? Eight, six hundred years later? Eight hundred years later, we're studying this, right? So, they have this crazy thing. <coughs> but they're famous for being what? Drunken cowards. Isn't that interesting? I love that the humor of the pistols like, hey, be merciful to men of great mold. You gotta love that. Abate thy rage, abate thy manly rage, abate thy rage, great dude, good bawcock, abate thy wage, abate thy wage, sweet Chuck. He's like, hey, sweetie, sweetie, simmer down there, sweetheart. You know, like, it's awesome to hear what he's saying to him. Fluellens comes in, God's blood, and he's like beating them with a sword. Get in there, go, 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 stop running away. And he's like, whoa, 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 sweetheart, what are you doing? All right, so. Yeah. I love he's talking about the birds singing. Onwards. Let's do it. Next page, 162 and 163 is boys' speech. So let's wait. Let's wait. We'll get to that in just a second. All right. Shall we watch a little bit? Let's watch a little bit of this. It's not going to be a ton, and then we'll come back to it. All right. Movies. Who I'm all... Pumped up from running down the hall there. <coughs> That's not even the Band of Brothers speech. Just wait. Right? Yeah, that would have been good. Run down the hall, so fun. God for, God for Wah, <laughs> Corey, and, and Saint Bolt. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Oh, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to turn the volume up. Turn the lights off. Let's go there. All right. Here it comes. Ready?
budget, Shakespeare. In peace, there's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. But when the blast of war blows in our ears, then imitate the action of the tiger. Yeah. Stiffen the sinews. Summon up the blood. Disguise fair nature with hard favor. Rage then. Lend the eye a terrible aspect. Let it pry through the portage of the head like the brass cannon. Yes. Let the brow overwhelm it as fearfully as doth a galled rock or hang and jutty his confounded face swell to the wild and wasteful ocean. Now set the teeth and stretch the nostril wide. Hold hard the breath and bend up every spirit that has fallen. Over boy's speech. I know that's that's a bummer, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, let's turn the lights on real quick. And what it's Thursday block, so what do we got here? We're done it. Oh, we got some time. Okay, good. So here we go. I want you to picture this. Where are we now in Henry? We're in Act Three. We've already got the opening scenes with themes and props and characters, and we get that more characters and the subplot and the main plot. So we're ready, and we're all like, yeah, where's the battle? And all of a sudden, once more, you're like, yeah, oh, there it is. There's the big battle, and they're climbing ladders, and the whole army's there. And like, yeah. And it's like, and God for Harry, England and St. George. And he's running, and you're like, yeah, look at them all follow. And then, oh, yeah, look at his drunken fools. Look at them. They're running the other direction. So ready? Picture. You can follow the king, follow the king into battle, or follow who? the drunken fools away from the king and who's left on stage in the middle? Right in the middle of this play. The boy. The boy. All alone. Got 25 lines. All to himself. This junior high boy. He's the squire to Falstaff who just died. And here he is. Look, at, look what Shakespeare set up. I can choose to follow the king into battle. I could, I could grow up. Or I can what? Screw up. Like I just follow the drunken fools away from the king, away from the battle. I, I mean, I can't overemphasize the dramatic effect here. It actually kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Like I love Brownell, I love the movie. But like, come on, give give boy his speech, right? Like this is, I actually think that this could be one of the main characters of the play. Because how many of us are ready to start deciding if we're going to do what? Grow up or screw up? Fair enough? Yeah. So let's do it. 
Who wants to read it since it's not it's not in the movie? Who wants to get a chance to read Boy's speech? Who wants it? Anybody? Rose, go for it. Awesome. The rest of us grab a pen or a pencil and follow along. Hopefully you already found literary devices, but this is by the way, this is packed, right? If you want to catch a gander here, there's tons of devices in this speech. So follow along with someone, okay? All right, Rose. And, and by the way, you gotta do awesome. And so we'll clap for Rose when she's done, right? Go. As young as I am, I have observed these states thoughtfully. I am born and unlawfully, free, but all free, all those free, though they should serve me, could not be man free. Hmm. For indeed, three such antics could not amount to a <coughs> For Bartle, he is white livered and red faced, by the means whereof a face is get out, but fights him not. Hmm. <laughs> For it never broke any man's head but his own, and I was against a post when he was drunk. <laughs> they will steal anything and call it perfect. Mm. Bartle stole a loot case, bore it twelve leagues, and sold it for three halfpence. Men in Bartle are sworn brothers in flints and still pieces, and in calluses stole a fire shovel. I knew by that piece of service the men would carry coals. They would have me as a familiar with men's pockets as their gloves or their Hmm. Which makes much against my manhood. <laughs> if I should take from another's pockets, put into mine, for it is plain pocketing up of wrong. I must leave them and seek some better service. Their villainy goes up against my weak stomach, and therefore I must patch it up. Uh, give it up for Rose. That was well read. Very well read. What's he doing at the end there? Literally on stage. If I were director, what would I have him do? I don't know how to make it work, but what would he do? He's throwing up. He's like, I have to decide. These guys, they make they making me sick. Like, actually, he's gonna puke on stage. That's how he's realizing how disgusting they are. How horrible they are. So much so that it what? Right? Like, I don't know how to make it happen, but I'd have him puke on stage. Or go down to the audience and like find a bag or something, and like, <coughs> right? Wipe his face off. And what did he decide? What's he gonna do? He's gonna grow up. I'm gonna follow the king. I'm gonna leave the drunkard. Like, come on, let's give it up for boy. Go, boy, go. This is awesome. Shakespeare has in the middle of this play. Henry did it. Henry had to do this, and he modeled for boy. You can do it too. You can leave the drunken fools and go follow the king. Like, did we catch the text? <laughs> it's not even subtle, is it? Go Shakespeare? Go Shakespeare. All right, sweet action. Um, what do you guys find? What are some literary devices here? Because there's some really good ones. Yes? Yeah. He has a killing tongue. Yep. And then he is 
Isn't that great? Yeah. So he's not doing the whole indirect comparison with these guys. He said, these guys are this. They are this bad. <laughs> right? So nice catch. He's got a lot of personification, which is fun here. What are some other ones? I'll pretend to throw candy at you. I'm all out. Once Halloween comes, we'll get some candy. Right? So that, was, that was great. Come on, what are some other ones? Yeah, Macaluso. In the beginning, he uh, keeps saying three. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. The three, three, me, three, three, me. All, look at this. Though they serve me, they could not be man to me. So three of them combined don't even equal a what? One man. Let alone, look at this. We've got a, almost a trinity there. And are they serving as a good father, God figure for this dude? No, I'd rather go follow the king. So it's almost like you, false staff. My rod and thy staff, they come for me. False staff didn't work. And now you add up these three guys, and they won't even work as a good father figure, right? Like, I, I got to get out of here. I love that three. Nice catch. That's also assonance as well, that sound of the vowel. Yeah, what do you got? Um, in line 47, alliteration makes much against my manhood. Come on, that's so yeah. good. If you didn't underline that, just do it right now. I love, you can, also, um, yeah. The other line where uh, breaks words, isn't that supposed to like square this so it's like breaks swords and keeps full weapons? Isn't that so yeah. good? Yeah, someone pointed out that to me a while back. Her pistol has a killing tongue, which you gotta love the personification, and a quiet, shh, shh, quiet, quiet sword. By the means whereof breaks words, but the way he's gonna say it breaks swords, like breaks swords. Right and keeps whole weapons. So instead of breaking swords, he's breaking words, which is like breaking faith. He's a liar and he doesn't follow through. But he should be breaking swords and bounds. Just brilliant. Like who does that? Right, Shakespeare. Nice catch. We could do this all day, right? There's so many here. Did anybody catch the the um, would have me as familiar as men's pockets as their gloves or their handkerchiefs, like? They want me tucked in like the handkerchief here or a glove in a pocket, you know. So good. Pocketing up of wrongs is just witty. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, when it says, for a never broke any man's head but his own, <laughs> is that a pun of any kind? I was just curious. I, I think it's just clever, right? Like he's, he hasn't broke, he's supposed to be breaking other people's heads, but he ends up, when he's drunk, breaking his own. <laughs> it's just witty, right? It's really witty. Good. Go team? You gotta love makes much against my manhood. Like that's just awesome. <laughs> you can see a little boy there. Hey, what's one of our themes here? Grow up or screw up, but what does it mean to be a man? Right? You can insert woman. What does it mean to grow up into your true identity? What is masculinity? What does it mean to be a king? If you set this whole thing as women, which would be awkward because of the history play of it, but if you were being a creative genius and you did it this way, what would it mean to grow up into being a warrior queen, right? A, a mom who fights, or, or a lady like Eowyn, who's willing to fight and be strong. What does it mean to grow up into that identity, right? Like warrior femininity. Which is still gentle and beautiful, like right? Like, 
What does it mean to have masculinity that has integrity and honor and dignity? And when I start saying those words and you picture a man who you can respect and honor and you want to follow, you're like, yeah, that's, that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> like, I want that. You can see boys having to write, like, these guys aren't men. I got to go somewhere else and find a real man to be like. I hope he finds one. Yeah? Questions? Okay, if you want to, I have full permission to use Lyndon's name. I'm not going to give you his last name. Uh, but you can just write the word Lyndon down on this page. All right? For a while there, I, I was I had asked him about this, and he's I was like I was gonna change his name for the story and just kind of be more anonymous. And I was like, no, tell him my story. We're fine. I'm still in touch with him. A couple months ago, you know, got got connected with him. He's doing great. All right. So let me tell you a little story about Lyndon. And this is not about Mr. D. Don't think it's about me. Right. I I play a very small role, and it's actually for me when I look back on it, kind of an awkward role. Because I, I love mentoring, I love discipling. And this was way back in the earlier days where I kind of didn't know what I was doing, and so I was just making it up as I went along, <laughs> which is maybe a good way to do it if you're just following Christ the best you can, right? It also can show you guys that even though you're just out of college, you can mentor, you can lead, you can disciple, you can do it right now, right? Timothy, don't let people look down on you or young, right? So I'm teaching at Houghton, Co uh, Houghton Academy. It's, it's near Houghton College. So think Wheaton College, Wheaton Academy. Houghton College in New York has a Christian school nearby. They call it Houghton Academy because they're both in the same town, right? Um, I'm subbing for a teacher who's gone for a year, and I'm loving it, having a ball. And I'm Mr. D, right? I'm like, this is what I was made to do. I'm made to teach. So I'm having a great time with the students, having a, having a lot of fun. With a lot of the seniors, I'm connecting with them really well. And we're just having a great time. Like, I'm young, and they're just coming up through high school. So we're like, we're doing it. We're having a ball. And I remember a couple of guys, there were three or four guys, where we were just really building a mentor-discipleship type of relationship that was really fun. They would come to my house. We'd go for walks. We'd do adventure trips together. And I just had a great time. And one of them was named Lyndon. Now, I want you to picture right now, as best you can, a senior at Wheaton Academy who's a star athlete. Lyndon happened to play soccer, which would work fine, but a great athlete who's a great, solid, humble, yet honest Christian dude who's really fun, really clever, like can play the guitar and is just really personable. And he's like, everybody just likes this guy. He's just a really cool Dude, everybody got that? You can probably picture someone like that or several guys like that at Wheaton Academy. Or go feminine if you want to. Like there's there's people who are just like, they're just cool. Right? Are we there? Nice, cool, authentic, humble, honest. And he was the star player on the on the field, so everybody knew Lyndon, and he was just like he would score goals. Like he's just cool dude. We good? <laughs> nice family in town. But like Wheaton Academy, small town although this was small they had like 150 <coughs> students in the whole school and it was small town upstate New York so everybody knew each other in the town right Lyndon's mom was like Dara Fernandez so everybody knew Lyndon's mom she was the front desk coordinator got it so they were just like kind of hanging out and we all they all loved Lyndon's mom she was awesome she's great so now can you picture that scenario right 
some of you can identify with this pretty closely uh, in regards to just small community or small church community. Fair enough. There's only there was like one church in town. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew each other. Hanging out with Lyndon. We're having a great fall. Soccer is going well. It's like October ish, and we're you know he's he's come over to the house a couple times. We built a pretty good friendship. And it's senior year, he's applied to colleges, you know, like he's, he's cruising. And then uh, one day, Lyndon and his mom decided to go home for lunch and they could just walk down the hill to lunch, right? So it's like long lunch, they're gonna just walk home, like walk across the street, go home to lunch, and they do. And they, the, the door was a little open, so that's awkward, but it's small town, so we're probably fine, right? They walk inside, and the house is strangely quiet. And Lyndon mom says, yeah, I'll make you a sandwich. Why don't you go upstairs, and can you get something out of the bedroom for me? I just need it for the afternoon. He walks upstairs and opens the bedroom door, and there's dad and another woman in bed. Right there, while mom's in the kitchen making a sandwich. Yeah, I've got your attention. Like, that's awkward. You, I want you to picture that happening to you. Like, today. Everything's been fine, and all of a sudden you walk home today, and you're like, and you're the one who finds it. Like, what? Yeah, it was an awkward day. It was a hard day. Brutal. Brutal stuff. And Lyndon's a great guy. Mom's a great woman like that and his dad is a nice guy just made some really bad choices here right they come to find out that it's been happening for years in this small town and it's just horrifying right so that all explodes in the small town in the small school in the small church like everybody knows it's awkward it's horrifying and yeah it's a mess I mean just imagine that exploding at wah and then but then everybody finds out about it, right? And it's your senior year. So I want to kind of set that stage for what happens. And then, you know, how was Thanksgiving that year? <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Or then Christmas break. It was, it, was, it was brutal, it was brutal. So much pain, so much confusion. They're trying to deal with it as a family. I'm trying to mentor and guide, trying to encourage. But Lyndon is in massive amounts of pain. His whole world shatters. The Christian worldview shatters a little bit here. The people are loving him and being nice to him, but he's in a ton of pain, right? You can imagine how much pain there is with this. Watching his mom in pain, his sister who was like a freshman, trying to look at, like navigate this with dad, like, ah, it's just so brutal. And so Lyndon starts trying to handle his pain but he's not able to, and he, and he ends up trying to numb it. So he's starting to drink, because he's just overwhelmed, to numb the pain, right? Does that work, by the way? No, if, they, if you think it is working for you, it doesn't, it doesn't work, right? So what it does is it numbs it, but does it go away? Did it solve family problems? No, the family's social, emotional pain didn't go away just because he got drunk, right? It actually got what? worse so that's not good until so picture this happening at WA what do we have to do with this student they're getting drunk and we're like ah oh, that's hard and then, then he's, the, the alcohol's not working so people are giving him pot 
to try and numb it? Does that work either with social emotional pain? No. If, if anything, it makes it what? Worse. So now what do you do? People, the administration's finding out. So what do you do? You don't kick them out yet. We don't do that at Wheaton Academy. You don't kick them out yet, right? We try to get help. We try to support. We try to navigate it. But is that is he wanting the support? Is that going well? So now it's like spring break, and it's right before spring break, and then Lyndon shows up with pot at school. Well, now what do you have to do? Now you have to like, yeah. you can't do that. Like, you can't, like you, you, there's a boundary here, right? We we have to make it safe for the other students. So you can't do that, right? So then Lyndon gets kicked out of high school like a month and a half before he graduates. So no no diploma. Like this is, this is like worst case scenario. Like this is not good. He's struggling. It's hard. He's in a ton of pain. He gets kicked out for possession on campus, like the police and all. It's just like ah, uh, no. I'm watching this just fall. Like the wheels are just falling off. I'm like no. The family's a mess, and they're trying to deal with all the legal stuff. And dad's somewhere else, and he had left, and he's just like no, right. So. Graduation happens. All of his friends graduate. They're all accepted to colleges. They have diplomas. They're going off to college. And Lyndon's now going to be just stuck in this small town in upstate New York with no high school diploma. Are we, are we there? So here, Lyndon calls me up. It's like, I think, June, right? And I'm running some adventure programs for the college. He's like, hey, can we do lunch? I'm like, yeah, sure, dude, let's do lunch. I've been trying to meet with him this whole time, trying to encourage him, trying to love him all the way through it. And we're out. If you went to Houghton College, anybody been there? If, yeah, if you go there, you know the quad? We're in the middle, maybe, yes, no. But like, they've got all these buildings with this big square field in the middle. And he and I were just walking around the quad. Every now and then we'd sit on a bench underneath a tree. We're just chatting and we're walking around. It's gorgeous. It's the middle of upstate New York. And I remember the one tree where we finally sat down and we're just like sitting there on his bench. So he's here and I'm here. I'm like, God, I have no idea what to do. This is a train wreck. Like, what do I do? What do I tell this kid? Right? Because you have to picture, he's one of you. Like, he knows the Bible. He knows the gospel. He loves Jesus. He's just made some really bummer choices that have these bummer consequences. And I was at this train wreck of a family and a train wreck of a life. So I'm like, what do I tell him? I was like, yeah. He's like, so, uh, Mr. D., what do I do? Like, I have no diploma. Colleges won't take me. My family's a mess. I've screwed up my life with these dumb decisions. What do I do? <laughs> so, like, what would you say? <laughs> and give the youth group answer. Like, this is the dude. I already set up who this guy is. He knows. Like, he knows all that stuff. Right? So, I'm like, God, help me. Please help me. Please help me. And I turn to him. And here's my big my big moment right? like hey Lyndon you know what what got you into this mess he sat there quietly I don't even know if I knew the answer to that question it was an authentic like yeah how'd you get here and he nailed it he's like well I made a bunch of dumb decisions I'm like yeah yeah you did <laughs> you made a bunch of dumb decisions so I'm like so how and this is where I think I've learned now like so what are you gonna do like, how are you going to get out of this? Because can I get him out of it? Like, am I going to have a magic wand? Like, so what are you going to do? How are you going to get out of this? And he, it was awesome. It was like this, oh, wait. I made a bunch of dumb decisions to get into this mess. Maybe what should I do to get out of it? <laughs> Very good. 
make a bunch of good decisions. Like, anticlimactic turning point of the story, but they were sitting on this bench and he's the one who came up with it. He's like, maybe I should just make, make some good decisions. I'm like, yeah, let's give that a shot. <laughs> like, it's like here's, here's our big plan. I'm like, how about this? Why don't you just try to make some good decisions? Like, just start making only good decisions and then let's just see what happens. <laughs> like, there's my big mentor moment. Right? I'm laughing at it because like, okay, like here's some brilliant thing. And, and he said, yeah, I'll do that. I'm like, cool, I'll help you. <laughs> but I mean, was it even up to me? No, what did he just need to do? Like he knew the decisions to make, so what did he just start doing? And actually, guess what Lyndon started doing? Made good decisions. You stopped drinking, stopped doing the drugs, stopped gossiping, started studying so he can get his, GR, his um, what's the one from high school? GED, he passed that test. Applied to some schools and got into some schools. He wanted to be a pastor. That's what his goal was. So he started doing that, making good decisions. And guess what he just started? Like, literally, just each day, he just made what? Good decisions. Ended up going through some couple years of schooling. Did great, smart kid. Ended up getting into seminary. Got a seminary degree because he was just making what? It's just silly, but like every he, we were staying in touch. I'm like, how's it going? It's like, great. I'm making good decisions. I'm like, cool. Nice job. Like, brilliant. Like, it's not rocket science. He knew the good decisions. You just need to what? Choose to make him. He called me once, though. I got to give you one or two that were really interesting. He started dating this gorgeous, amazing, really awesome girl in seminary. It's like, okay, Dominguez, I want to make good decisions. So. I think what we're gonna do is we're not gonna kiss until we get married. What do you think? I'm like, that's a great idea. <laughs> good, good, good decision. <laughs> You're crazy. But great, great idea. I fully support you. Give it a shot. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. And then I, I thought I hung up the phone. I'm like, dude, good luck. <laughs> and 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 guess guess why? Guess what I realized later. What did he watch with his dad? when it came to dating and relationships and sexuality. Dad made a lot of what? And did his dad have self-control? No. no, so what he's like, I'm gonna try and have really good self-control. We're not gonna kiss until our wedding day. <laughs> and I, I, every now and then I'm like, how's it going? It's like, awesome, you're doing great. I'm like, cool, my job. <laughs> I got the invitation to come. I went, went all the way out to New Jersey. I went, I'm sitting under this gorgeous oak tree on this beautiful farm and he had graduated from seminary, right? Like this, this guy's doing great with this amazing girl, with this amazing family. They haven't kissed for how many you know, months and years of dating, I forget how long it was, but they haven't kissed. I think they've just held hands, you know, like what? But then guess what happened? We're all there and most people knew, right? He's got, they got a reputation for it now. And guess what the pastor says, you may now kiss your bride, what does he do? He's like, yes, I can. Right? They're all like, yeah! Right? Everybody's cheering, they're like smooching right there. We're like, that's their first kiss, what? Right? And they did it, and was it a good decision? For them it was, right? For them it was, he's doing great. He's got these gorgeous little blonde kids, and he's not a pastor, but he could be, but he started his own business building furniture and cabinets, and they're doing great, and they've got this amazing house, and like, he's, he's doing what? Doing great. Calls me every now and then. How's it going? I'm like, good. How are you doing? Good. Like, awesome. And like that story really does have that happy ending.
But what was the big turning point? He started doing what? <laughs> Making good decisions. Like, duh. Like, it's weird. I want to like make it more powerful than that, but that's what makes it so powerful. Is did he need me to like mentor him and tell him all these amazing things to do? Like, no, he just needed to do what? The reason why I think it's so appropriate for Wheaton Academy seniors is do you guys know good and bad decisions? You're like, do you? Yeah, you know good and bad decisions. If you don't, read Proverbs, done. <laughs> you've, you've watched it. You watch your friends. And guess what? Like, here's, I love this lesson right in the middle of this play, and it's right to you guys. What are you going to do next year, college, for the rest of your senior year? By the way, don't blame your family. Don't be victim. You're like 17 and 18. You can do that when you're in sixth grade because it's really hard. Maybe junior high still. But now, whose life is it? Yours. Do you have the ability? Are you powerful enough to make good decisions to take the steering wheel on your life? Come on, are you? So are you equipped? Do you know good and bad decisions? Wait, ready? When Lyndon didn't know if it was a good or bad decision, what was a good decision? Well, no, until you did what? found out like what's a good decision if you don't know if it's good or bad a good decision is to what go talk to someone who you trust and can help you figure it out and then you do what make there the good, two good decisions. I know so it's like it's like does that make sense like it's really as crazy as it sounds for boy in this play he just had to start doing what <laughs> I'm making good decisions I'm gonna stop following the drunken fools puke it all up and get on with my life and follow the king there we go. And I've taught this for 17 years, often twice a year, for about 12 years to over half of the senior class. Here I am. I've got you guys again right now telling you. But guess what? After 17 years of teaching this, guess what I get to watch? I had to watch the students who sat in a room and hear their, sat in this room, and some of them in these chairs. They had to kind of watch and see what my students are going to do. <laughs> and really, how hard is it for you guys? If you're like, but it's super hard because I'm addicted to porn or I'm addicted to this. Well, what would be a good decision? <laughs> like, get help. You know, like, like you, we can do this. And if you're like, no, I'm so overwhelmed or I'm failing or I'm trapped or my family's like, well, Today, can you make one good decision? And maybe that good decision is to stop making bad decisions. You're like, you are powerful. You're like, no, I'm not. I've got a sinful nature. Sorry, your sinful nature's dead. Dead. How much effect do dead things have over you? Not much. Like, but it's not dead. It's dead. Read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. 54 times. Dead, 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 dead. Your old self is dead. It's dead, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead. So your old nature's dead, you're a new creation, and you have who in you to empower you to make good decisions? God. So can you do this? Great. I hope you choose to. I say we move on with the play. Like, let's keep going. Anybody, I mean, anybody have a thought or a question? I love telling Lyndon that I tell his story and he's like, has anybody like listened to it? I'm like, oh, Lyndon, there's always one or two. 
who I watched over the next three three months of Wheat Academy, or some of them just wait till college, but then they start doing. It. I'm like, great. There's always a few who text back or write back. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that one day where you spent 20 minutes telling me to grow up, <laughs> right? Yeah, Max. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, how many years did it take him to like turn around? You know what was amazing to me is this is a huge long story, right? It's a huge long story. What was amazing to me is how fast just choosing to make good decisions got rid of a bunch of the crap. Now, this is simple. Is it easy? It's not necessarily easy, although ironically it gets what? Easier and easier and easier and easier and easier because you realize bad decisions have bad natural consequences and good decisions have what? good natural consequences. There may be hard things that happen, like your friends hate you because you stop hanging out with them because they're not really your friends. <laughs> you know, like, Or you have to like deal with the addiction or deal with the fact that you stole 500 bucks from someone and you have to like make a good decision about that, which is fess up and pay them back. Like, but there you go. Like, It started happening the next day for him. What was great is, did I really have to do much? I kind of just like, go, Lyndon, go. <laughs> How's it going? Good. All right, praying for you. And then every now and then we do coffee, and he's like, is this, is this good or bad? I'm like, ah, I wouldn't do that. Just do this. Right? Yeah. Or I don't know. Ask somebody else. You know, like, yeah? The key that I saw is that he just started owning his life, and he stopped playing victim. It's a great song by Christine DeMarco. Um, yeah, I am no victim. You can just you you know Google it or YouTube it. It's awesome. It just came out. I am no victim, and you're just like ah. Oh, it follows the. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Oh, and by the way, I'm also not a victim. <laughs> I'm a powerful son and daughter of the King of the Universe. Oh yeah. Some of you didn't need to hear that because you're already making good decisions. Nice job. <laughs> some of you, like, you needed to hear that today. Or some of you just needed the lesson so that in three years when it's college and you're, you got, you know, one engine out and you're in a downward spiral <laughs> and you hit the eject button and then you just, yeah, you just need to start doing what in the middle of college? Making good decisions, you know, like, I had to do that, by the way. <laughs> cool. More Shakespeare? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. I, I mean, I part of like other questions that we got. This is Shakespeare class. We're just kind of realizing that 400 years later, Shakespeare's onto something, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't he? Onward, Onward and upward. Let's do it. Act, yeah. act three, scene three. Boy's done. Follows the king. Thanks, Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> See what you can get out of this next few minutes. Florian, you must come presently to the mines. The Duke of Gloucester will speak with you. Tell you the Duke, it's not so good to come to the mines. For look you, the mines is not according to the disciplines of war. Jeez, you. I think it will blow up all if there is not better direction. The Duke of Gloucester. The order of the siege is given is altogether directed by an Irish. Oh, oh, a what? Uh oh, what? Uh oh. 
I cheat you, he is an ass in the world. Oh! <laughs> he has no more directions in the true disciplines of the wars than he's a puppy dog. So they're arguing about his ability to lead. Oh, no, Captain Jimmy is a marvelous, valorous gentleman. I'm certain. Good day, Camphorn. The day of your worship, good Captain James. Oh no, Captain McMorris, have you quit the mines? Like Chrysler. The workers give over. The trumpets sound the retreat. But my hand is ill done. Captain McMorris, I beseech you now. A few disputations as partly touching the disciplines of the war. Only to satisfy my opinion. And partly for the satisfaction of my mind. Is touching the direction of the military discipline. That is the point. There's no time to discourse, so Christ save me. The town is besieged, and the trumpet calls us to the breach. We talk, and by Christ do nothing. Uh, Master, these eyes of mine take themselves to slumber. I'll do. Quick pause. We're on page 168, 169. Uh, you may not have caught much of that because it's it's they're in their colloquial language. It's hard to catch. But they're fight. They're arguing over what? What are the mines? And so you can't get through the wall or over the wall. You gotta do what? You go under the wall, and the guy's like, he can't. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to dig the mines. What the heck? What's going on? Oh, it's because he's Irish. That's what's going on. Like, they're doing that. So this is racial slurs, and there's racial tension, and they're struggling. Got it? Yeah. The French haven't encountered the mines, have they? Yeah, they're fighting back. They're so doing like underneath this, uh, not, mines? not yet. Or, not yet. Will they? Well, I mean, they're not dumb. Yeah. Service. Or I'll lie on the ground for it. Captain McMorris, I think, look you. Under your correction, 169. What is my nation? Who talks of my nation is a villain and a bastard oh. and a knave. Oh. And a rascal. Oh. Look you. If you take the matter otherwise than it is meant, Captain McMorris, peradventure, I should think you do not use me with that affability as indiscretion. You ought to use me now, look you. Being as good a man as yourself? I do not know you're so good a man as myself. So Christ save me, I will cut off your head. What are they gonna do? Whoa. Did you just do some Shakespearean swears at that guy? Oh yeah. There's there's plenty of plenty of we can we bastard, you know. That, well that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good one. But the the rest of this like this is there's racial slurs flying, there are racial digs against each other. And then now they're going to cut off each other's head. They're going to fight each other. Whose side are these guys all on? They're on their own side, and they're going to kill each other in their own trenches. Over what? Race. They're all British. <laughs> but, but here's, here's even the bigger irony of it. Don't miss it. The layers here. They're going to fight each other and not their enemy over race. But the irony is, why are they basically going to fight their enemy over what? Race, because they're French. And they're all, yeah, they're all British, but wait, they're all Europeans. They're all brothers. They're all brothers. But there's, there's so many layers here. Let's not fight each other. Let's actually fight the enemy, right? But ironically, let's not fight each other. Let's not fight the enemy. The enemy's our brother. Let's fight a what? A real enemy over real issues, not land. Like to see what the layers here are so powerful. I actually, this is one, this is an overlooked scene. It's hard to really dig into. So let's make it short and sweet and I'll let you go. This is one of my favorite lessons from this whole thing for a place like Wheaton Academy. It is ridiculous 
horrifying ridiculous that I'm part of a country that had slavery. I, I hate that. I hate it. Let alone that how many years later we still have not figured out racial stuff? Like, we're idiots. What are we doing? Over skin color? Like, it, it's so embarrassing. And that's like at the least. It's disgusting and horrifying. But wait, let's even add to that. We haven't even figured out our racial issues in this country in 2017. What the heck? Why are we fighting each other? Can't we really fight a real enemy? Can't we, please? Wait, as you leave, what about denominationally? Think about this on a grander scale where denominationally we fight over denominational issues when our battle's not against flesh and blood. Can't we fight the enemy and not each other in our churches? And why would Shakespeare stick this in the middle of the play after we know the plot? Because maybe this, what, is the plot, right? Have a nice day. You guys are awesome. See ya. I would say uh, read what we just watched. So you should be up to Act 3, Scene 3, and tomorrow we'll start watching, and then I'll give you the reading. Okay. See you guys. You guys are awesome. Make good decisions. That's your homework. <laughs> right? Oh, yay, Lyndon. He's awesome. Here, let me do this.